Hello and welcome to Mental Health Coffee Time. This is week eight. Today we have myself, Nina, on the line, as well as our host, Andrew. Today's topic will be about inner selves. Um, So in my life, I've noticed, you know, while struggling with my mental health problems, depression, anxiety, and going through work, that I often have conflict between different parts of myself. And that's what I want to explore in this podcast. Um, And as, you know, I've grown up, I've started to try to find a way to unify my inner selves. Uh, So I just wanted to open this up with, you know, a broad question to you, Andrew. How do you think of, you know, the concept of inner selves? I think, you know, this is a very abstract concept. And what role has it played in your life thus far? And what role does it play in your life today? Thanks, Dana. I think that's, that's a great way to start and a really good question. I think to answer the first part of your question about how I view inner selves or how I would define it, I was actually having a conversation with my therapist a couple of weeks ago now. And the way that we talked about it in that session was that it was almost as if I had different aspects of myself sitting around a dinner table. But at the end of the day, uh, maybe like some people call this like the super ego or something like that. Like it was my conscious mind viewing. It should be my conscious mind viewing the conversations between all of these inner selves. And just to like maybe contextualize it a little bit more, some of the inner selves that would be at the table would maybe be like the child, Tandy, who is a little bit more emotional and uh, has difficulty maybe expressing himself sometimes in a rational way. Uh, Maybe a Mm -hmm. very rational self that I kind of view as the quote nerd who is very like scientific and rational and very, very well thought out. And then another inner self might be the bully who like yells at the nerd or the child self uh, when they can't perform or when they make mistakes, um, which probably comes from some of like the the negative self-talk that uh, like I gained uh, growing up with parents maybe who weren't super positive or supportive. Uh, just to give you guys an example of mm-hmm. like, some of the inner selves that maybe talk to each other at the table. And I think in, in my past and still currently actually, I think how my inner selves have defined me and have changed my view on the world is that I think usually I have one inner self kind of taking all of the space at the table. Like it's been very difficult for me in the past to find balance between the inner selves and have them have a productive conversation at the table. I think, for example, the bully can often push the child or even the nerd like into some sort of back corner and dominate the conversation at the table. Or maybe it might swing the other direction where the child will be tired of being locked up and then throw a tantrum and then you will completely drown out the voices of the nerd or the bully, which often really do have something constructive to offer. I think it's actually important to hear every single one of those. And so for me personally, as I've gotten older and something that I work on in therapy a lot is about unifying these inner selves, maybe not into one voice. I don't necessarily know that that's possible for me. Maybe it is in the future. But I think it's more around letting these inner selves have a more productive conversation with each other and taking each voice into consideration rather than just letting one voice drown out the rest and having it be very, very imbalanced. Um, Is that a similar experience for Mm -hmm. you, Nina? Or how do you view the concept of inner selves as tying into your own life? Yeah, absolutely. I resonate a lot with what you talked about, about, you know, the different selves that you have, whether it's, you know, your rational self, your child self, or the bully self. 
Um, for me, I think one of the most prominent examples of my inner selves has been this dichotomy between my child self and my adult self. So I think I talked about this in my blog post, but in my life, I've noticed that there has been, you know, a swing in one direction, either towards my child self or towards my adult self. And when I describe, you know, my child self, I really think about, you know, how I was as a child. So I think I was very free-flowing, I was very inquisitive, very creative. I was doing things, you know, for the joy of doing things and for the joy of being alive. And I wasn't necessarily having, you know, a specific goal attached to these things. So for instance, um, you know, I'm sure everyone can relate to this, but, you know, as a child, I would, you know, read a lot of books or imagine a lot of, you know, imagine imaginary games or, you know, play with my friends. And it was all just, you know, done for the exploration and enjoyment, you know, of the moment. And then as I got older, I think, you know, my adult kind of hyper-rational self began to dominate the conversation. And, you know, for me, I think the shift happened, you know, probably right around adolescence, like sometime in middle school. Um, And actually, you know, it's, it's pretty striking. Like I remember, you know, coming into middle school, I think I was very much still a child. But then, you know, once I got into high school, I was really dominated by this like hyper rational adult self. And everything I did was, you know, based upon, you know, what's going to get me ahead? What is the most effective way to do this? What's going to look good on my resume? Even like things about like who I was friends with, like sometimes I would think about like, you know, their social status when becoming friends with them. So it was just a big shift away from, you know, that enjoyment of the moment and and that wonder of being a child to this, you know, very controlled adult environment. And for me, as I've gotten older, I've tried, just as you have, Andrew, to reconcile my child as well as my adult self um, and find ways that they can work together um obviously you know the adult self is necessary um but i think that you know having that child self really come through because often that is sometimes you know the truest form of you or at least you know a a form of you that is the most authentic um at least without pretense having having that child form of you come through can really help in you know living a fulfilling life um so i have really you know looked for ways that they can work together um, and, you know, you brought up other versions of yourself, too, such as, you know, maybe the the part of yourself that is very self-critical. Um, I definitely have that part as well. And, you know, I'm also thinking about some of the other inner selves that I have as well. And I think you opened up a, a good discussion point there. So hopefully we can explore that, you know, as the podcast goes on. Um, but does this idea of this dichotomy between maybe your child self and your adult self resonate with you? Or how do you see that today? It does for sure. I think maybe this is a common thread for everyone or maybe just for us because we had maybe something happened in our childhood that made us kind of take on this adult self very quickly. But I think that at my core, it really is the child self and the adult self. I call my adult self sometimes the nerd because it's kind of boring, like not as fun driven, um, whereas the child self is more emotional and like fun seeking. So I think that like, like the nerd for me really is the adult self. The other like inner self that I mentioned, the bully, I think is kind of auxiliary and maybe like, like really that's a voice that I would like to maybe go away in the future um, versus <laughs> the adult and the child self, I think are like a more core piece of my identity that will probably follow me for the rest of my life. So that's something that I completely agree with. I guess my question for you was, you mentioned a shift 
when you were younger from focusing on the child self that was interested in reading and had this like beautiful imagination to a more pragmatic adult self that was more focused on maybe rationality or getting ahead, as you mentioned in your blog post. So Mm -hmm. what, I guess this is, this is going to be a hard question to answer, but what made you switch from one voice to the next? And how did you even find that adult voice in your head after having the child voice be the dominant one? That's a great question. Um, I think that part of it is just with growing up, like I think, uh, you know, during adolescence, like in middle school, when you start to go through puberty, there are like brain changes that happen. And um, I think that, you know, young people become more focused on their external environment during that time and less focused on, you know, their childhood pleasures. So I think that was definitely a part of it. Um, and then I think just influences for, and, and going along with that, I think it was just influences from who what I saw around me. So, for instance, what my peers were doing, what my parents wanted me to do. Um, I started to become like very cognizant of, you know, what steps to take to perhaps like get into a good college to, you know, be successful in life. Um, And I think that was something that, you know, was very important to me, um, partially societally driven, partially because, you know, I wanted and maybe this is, again, my child self speaking, but I think I really wanted to have, you know, that freedom and that independence that comes with, um, you know, having money of my own and having, you know, my own job and and living a successful life. And I think that was something that um, I was aware of at a very young age. And so since I had that core value, I think my adult self really began to dominate the conversation um, to make that dream happen. But I think, you know, while there's nothing wrong with that, I think my adult self began to just hyper dominate the conversation and suddenly it became that everything I was doing from, you know, all of the classes I took, extracurricular activities I did, colleges I applied to, it was all very based on this adult self dream. And I think my child self, even though maybe it had initially been the seed um, that caused the shift, it was eventually shunted to the side. Um, So yeah, in summary, I would say it was a mix of many factors, uh, biological, societal, Um, And also just, you know, awareness that I wanted to achieve a certain degree of success in my life. And then I allowed my adult self to just, you know, take the reins from there um, and and just and just drive with it. So I think those are the main shifts for me. Um, How about you, Andrew? Like, uh, did you have a child self when you were young that was very dominant? And what was your child self like? And did you have like a similar transformation into like an adult self dominating, you know, your life or dominating your conversation? Yeah, it did. Um, I think it's really interesting to hear your story. It actually sounds like, like you said, it actually sounds kind of healthy in the sense that maybe it was the child self with the motivation and the adult self was the one that made it come true in the end. I think for me, as I was thinking about it, I think when I was younger, I was actually very similar to you. I was, I always had my nose buried in a book. I remember like those were my happiest days actually, like going to the library and I would come home with like a huge stack of books and I would just read from the time that I woke up to the time that I went to sleep. I would even like, I would stay up late to read because I I just found it so hard to put a book down once I uh, like started reading it. So I think that that was always a piece of me too, like having this imagination, this curiosity, Um, and wanting to maybe just understand the world. 
I think that that was always what I took out of books. I loved being able to get into other people's heads and like experience the empathy that comes with that. Um, I think mm-hmm. for me, maybe the shift started happening, I would say probably in middle school or so. I think we've talked mm-hmm. about this before, even... But, so I don't know if it's necessarily an academic pressure because even when we were younger, I think we've talked about this, like our schools had uh, like gifted and talented programs. And I never like, like I was in the gifted and talented program, but I never like thought too much about it. Like I, I don't think school ever mattered to me that much. It actually was kind of fun, I think, when I was younger. Like I, I think I mostly enjoyed mm-hmm. going to school, third elementary school. I think it was really middle school where things started to change it became more competitive i remember there was um there was a math class that every like like all the high achieving kids were in because it was like a, a year or two accelerated and it was like a really really challenging math class to get into and like when i took that i started to be surrounded by only kids who were really really driven and really really smart um and so i think i felt a lot of competitive pressure from that that i think started to change my view on like going to college and needing to get into a certain school <clears throat> and it also made me I think it made me doubt I, maybe this is really the switch it made me doubt my own intelligence and my own sense of worth and my own view in the world and this was also when like as you mentioned we were going through puberty so I'm sure there were a lot of changes about like being more aware of my external environment but for me also I think that was the first time I started to realize that I was gay or that I was different from other people, like, in that sense. And so I think maybe, and this is maybe just like a hypothesis, maybe that was also part of it, that I saw that that was an aberrant piece of me that was more related to my child self because it was emotional and not rational. Mm -hmm. And so maybe I tried to rationalize out of that. Like, I remember, I think for a lot of gay people as they're first coming out, they try to pretend to be like not strict or not gay like they they reject these thoughts or like try to think out of them or avoid these thoughts that was certainly the case for me um so I think that those two things combined like probably the increased competition that made me question my own self-worth and so therefore say like I need to double down on studying and being more rational in order to get ahead like those are just a realization that I had plus uh Mm -hmm. like the initial stages of like realizing my sexual uh, se- sexual orientation and having like a strong aversion to that, I think repressed the child self and made the adult self made the, the only one that I felt was trustworthy and not aberrant and like something that I could show to the external world. And plus also like the, the stuff with my family as well, like I grew up in kind of like a chaotic household. Um, and so I think mm-hmm. for those reasons, I had to grow up. I had to grow up very quickly. And so maybe the child self was kind of just pushed under the rug even more. So so maybe those three things were the were the main factors that made me switch from child self to adult self very quickly. Uh, yeah, again, probably in middle school. Yeah, I, I think, you know, everything you said resonates with me. I think, um, yeah, like when you talk about growing up in, you know, a chaotic household, I think for me it was always, like, a motivator for to be successful in order to, like, have my own money, my own life, my own independence. Um, and I'm sure that's, like, something that, you know, you could relate with as well. And, um, yeah, similarly for, you know, thinking yourself as, like, different or how you, you know, uh, realize that when you discovered your sexuality and then you didn't feel safe with your child self, 
I think similarly, I had always kind of been bullied for, you know, my personality when I was younger because I was always kind of eccentric and, and pretty nerdy. And I think that just made me feel unsafe with my child self. Um, and similarly, I think sometime around middle school, I started to, you know, suppress that part of myself. But I just wonder how much of it is also just, you know, growing up. I think everybody right around middle school just, you know, has a shift and in, in just in your in your brain, you're no longer a child as you go through puberty. So there are some like significant biological shifts as well um, that make you focus more on, you know, being successful and, you know, having a solid place in the world. Uh, so, yeah, I think it was a combination of, of many things. I have a question um, for you, Andrew, and maybe I can answer it first. But how did you see, you know, your adult self and your child self play out when you started to go into high school and started to go into college? And maybe, you know, I could answer that first. Like for me, I felt that late high school and college were extremely dominated by my adult self. And like everything I did was is, was very hyper-rational. And I don't think I ever did anything that was a reflective reflective of my true emotions. I think everything I did was, you know, very much to be successful. Um, so for instance, like that's why I decided to apply to a business school. I think it wasn't necessarily because it was in line with what I truly wanted to do. Um, that's why I decided to, you know, apply for investment banking internship. That was why I tried to like rush a sorority as a freshman. Um, that was why I, uh, you know, worked hard and studied. It was it was really about, you know, this hyper-rational adult self. And in our past, we talked a lot about depression. And I think, you know, part of the reason why I was depressed when I was younger is that I don't think I had joy in life because when this adult self is like running the ship, running the show, and you lose touch of, you know, who you are at your core, uh, which is your child self, um, you often just lose that color and that meaning in life. And that's definitely what I felt like. I, I felt like towards the end of high school, beginning of college, I just felt like life was like very gray, very routine. It was a series of, you know, responsibilities and, and obligations. Um, and I'm sure this is something that everyone can relate to, like maybe not necessarily in high school, but, you know, at some point in life, you just feel so, you know, bowed down by everything you have to do. And you're just, you know, you have to be an adult at some point. Maybe you have children, maybe you have family. Um, and so that, that, that was definitely a big contributor to my depression and actually something that helped me, you know, come out of my depression uh, along with, you know, the things that we've discussed in the past was really listening to that child voice more and, and really giving it like an equal seat at the table. And if not, you know, in more prominent seat sometimes than my adult self. Um, and so that has been something that's been very healing for me. How about you, Andrew? Like, does, does that resonate with you? Or do you have like a different experience of, you know, your adult versus your child self, maybe like, as you grew up into college? I think I have a very similar experience. I, I think in high school, I was, especially in high school, I was very, very driven by the adult self. I think maybe for me, college wasn't as much so. I mean, it's, it's hard to say. I think later college definitely wasn't. Maybe early college was. The reason, the thought path, the thought path that I was going down was that I think I don't know if we've talked about this on this podcast, but Nina definitely knows this about me, is that I didn't get into a lot of the schools that I wanted to when I was applying to colleges. And so that was a huge hit on like kind of my view of the world. And so I think at that time, 
I was gonna say like, well, maybe then because the adult self was so dominant, I think the child self like took over a little bit more in college and was a little bit more fun focused, which is true in certain aspects. But I think from another perspective, like the fact that I so wholeheartedly pursued a career in finance and investment banking and then private equity later on, like I think that that was a result of the fact that maybe the adult self blamed the child self in high school for not being focused enough on certain external like contributors, like certain extracurricular activities that would have looked better on a resume. Because in high school, like I really did a lot of activity. I did do a lot of activities. I was very busy all the time, but there were really activities that I loved. There were activities that the child self loved. Like I remember my biggest thing at the time was dance. And that wasn't something that like, I, I like that wouldn't necessarily look great on a college application unless I like won a bunch of competitions and like, dance at Juilliard or something, which definitely wasn't the case. Um, it was really just something that I loved and I was very passionate about and something that I pursued like with most of my free time in high school. And I think the adult self kind of blamed <clears throat> the child self for wanting to do that and like maybe tried to pull back the reins a little bit in college and say like, well, you need to actually be more career oriented because like when you weren't thinking about your future in high school it didn't turn out well for you like this is just the story that i told myself it's not necessarily true but like the story was you didn't focus in high school so therefore you need to focus more in college and therefore like you need to give more of the control from the child self over to the adult self i think the first time that i really felt more liberated from that kind of mindset and let the child come out more was my sophomore year of college when I was studying abroad for the first time because I had gotten an investment banking internship just before I went abroad for, for the following summer. And so uh, the spring semester, like the four months that I was abroad were really like free time for me because I, in my mind, I had already like achieved my goals and I was just in a, in a waiting period essentially for the goals to come to fruition, like everything was already locked in. And so I think that was the first time I really let the child self out a little bit more. And it was a very exploratory time, like both literally and figuratively, literally in the sense that I was traveling most weekends to new places that I had never been before. And that was my first time being in Europe too. And figuratively in the sense that I was trying on maybe new aspects of my identity, like doing things that maybe like old me or adult me wouldn't necessarily do, like meeting new people or like going out and, and stuff like that and just having more fun with my life. But I think it, I, I think this kind of speaks to my original point about the child self and the adult self not being able to play well together. I think in my life it's always been either one or the other. And in a lot of senses, I think that that experience abroad awakened this child part of me and it made me realize how important it is and how much I loved uh, being able to develop the, like j just being able to explore that part of myself, the child part rather than the adult part. And I think it's always been since then probably a conflict because it was the first time that I realized like, you know what, the story that I'm telling myself of the child self is detrimental to me, like it is is destructive and impulsive and emotional and it's not good for my future and my career or whatever like those kind of misconceptions fell away for the first time and so i think the rest of my college experience was very much a conflict between the two it was like in certain aspects 
I would just put on the adult self. Like maybe if I were going into an interview or something, the adult self would completely take over. Um, or if I were recruiting for a short amount of time or studying for finals or something, like the adult self would completely take over. And then in the interim periods, the child self would come out. And now that I think about it, I think it worked well in college because it felt like the periods of work were more punctuated like that. For example, like, and this is maybe just an aspect of my school, it wasn't, to me, I didn't find it that challenging academically. And so for most of the semester, I kind of was able to just coast and like hang out with friends and have fun. And then just during like midterms and finals, I would study for like one to like for for maybe two weeks intensely for each of them. Um, And I was able to do well that way. And then in terms of recruiting, like it would be a very similar thing. Like recruiting wasn't something that happened the whole year. It was just something that happened like for maybe like a couple of months. And I would like just hunker down and study. And then obviously if I went into an interview, it was like, I don't know, like maybe like cumulatively like two days of just being like just my adult self. And for the rest of the time, my child self could could come out and play and like I could explore that piece of myself. So I think in college it worked Mm -hmm. well. I think my difficulty now is that like we go to a job every single day and I found it very difficult to allow my child self to come out to play at all, especially in my current job. Um, which is like very professional, uh, like the people are kind of dry, honestly. So like, it's been very, very difficult to find that balance because I think previously the balance was found when I switched between the two, like I would give them equal time dominating. But now I think it's made me realize that both of them need to have a seat at the table at all times because like in in our adult lives, especially like working a corporate job, mm-hmm. as I probably will for the next like however many years like it's very important to have both of them be able to contribute to the conversation every day because I don't have that like distinguished time where it's like you know what this is finals like adult self come in and then like rest of the time is playtime so then child self can come in does that resonate with you as well or do you have a very different experience with that yeah I think it does resonate with me I think it's very interesting how you talked about like how in high school you were doing activities that, you know, you yourself enjoyed, but then that would enable you to um, be successful. So for instance, with dance, like even though you pursued it and wanted to be successful at it, it was something at your core that you loved. And for me, I had the opposite experience. Like I think a lot of the stuff I did in high school was not stuff that I intrinsically loved. Um, A lot of it was just done out of getting ahead. Even stuff that you know, on the surface could have been very interesting. Like I worked very extensively with the Red Cross um, growing up. I think, you know, that could have been very interesting and very fulfilling, but I was very much doing it out of a desire to get ahead, not a desire to help people. And a lot of like my core interests, like I love to read, I love to write, I love to learn. I don't think I was pursuing that at all in high school. And then going into college, I think I felt exactly the same way, maybe the opposite as you did. I felt like, you know, I had achieved so many goals and done so many things just to get ahead, just to like, you know, be successful. Um, And I was very much wanting my child self to, you know, as you said, come out and play. And at first, I don't think I allowed my child self to, you know, have much of a seat, Um, There were, like, some maybe inklings of it, like, for instance, when I would travel or or in certain classes that I would take. 
Um, but for the most part, I think my adult self was very dominant. And then I think what happened was during my sophomore year, I think I kind of burned out with work and I was very much, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what is the point? What should I do? And I would say from like sophomore year to maybe junior year. So those like maybe like two middle years of college, I would say from sophomore fall, sophomore spring to maybe junior spring. So that one year, um, I think I really tried to let my child self come out and play Um, So, for instance, I, you know, took easier coursework. I hung out with friends often. I, you know, went to parties. I traveled. um, I went out very frequently. I, you know, had so many new experiences, whether it was, you know, going to, like, a comedy show, going to, like, you know, an underground party, um, going to, you know, a friend's, you know, house, Um, on like a weeknight and staying up to like 5 a.m. And I I did all of these things that, you know, I had just never done before. And I think I actually had a different experience um, than you. Like I think maybe for you the exploring was a very positive thing. And for me, I think this type of exploring, while I am happy that I had it and it was a pivotal part of my life, um, I actually don't think it was in line with who my child self was. Like I think I was trying to allow my child self to you know come out and play but this wasn't really who my child self was because I had lost so much lost so much touch with who I truly was inside like I wasn't really doing anything that my child self would have enjoyed as a kid or that you know I truly valued to do I filled my day with like a lot of fun but in in my for me it felt very superficial Um, new experiences and I think that actually led to you know more depression more unhappiness and I think it wasn't that I was I think I was trying to enjoy the moment and as as you said like let your child self go but I just don't think I had clarity on who my child self actually was Um, and I think as I you know as as time progressed when I really actually felt my child self come back um, was actually when I started to study computer science as a senior in college. And, like, I just felt, like, so much, like, desire to learn and curiosity and engagement. And it made me so happy to study computer science. And I, I really fell in love with the course during that time. And even similarly that year, I reconnected with reading. Like, I started to read a lot more. Um, so I started to read, like, a book every couple weeks or, or every month. Um, I took a Chinese politics class, which I really enjoyed. Um, I, and I also like, you know, write a lot about like meditation and, and Buddhism and, you know, actually that made me very happy. And that was like the kind of exploration that I needed. And that was actually more in line with who, who my child self was than, you know, going out every week or, or partying every week as I had been doing maybe a year before that. And so I think it's interesting that, um, it's interesting to me that, like, you know, sometimes, you know, you can let your child self go, but for me, I didn't even know who my child self was until later on when I rediscovered it. Um, And so I think, you know, how I think about melding my child and my adult self now is actually very similar to how you thought about dance. Like, you might have, like, I think, you know, you talked about how with dance, you pursued dance and you worked hard at it, and it was obviously something that you devoted time and attention 
and uh, resources too, but at the core, it was something that you love to do. And I think that is how I kind of see it now. Like, for instance, with my job, um, like as a software engineer, like I think at, a co- at its core, it is something that satisfies my child self to a large degree. Does it satisfy it fully? No, it doesn't. But I think it does satisfy it to a large degree while also satisfying my adult self, like my adult self's desire for, you know, safety, security, money, um, it it satisfies that desire as well. So I actually think it's a very good melding of, of both, you know, the child self and the adult self. And for instance, with other goals, like for instance, I'm trying to write a book, like that's, that goal is very much based in my child self. Um, but the way that, you know, with execution is, 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 is very much handled by my adult self in terms of giving myself the discipline and the drive to do it. And, you know, obviously like with this podcast or with, you know, other endeavors that I have, I think what I try to do to balance it now is really enable the core of what I do, whether it be work, whether it be personal relationships, to be based on the child self, but allow the adult self to, you know, bring in its rationality and perspective um, into into the scenario. So does that uh, resonate with you at all, Andrew, or do you see it differently in terms of how you mix your child and your adult self today? It does resonate with me, and I think it's really beautiful to hear about how much clarity you've gained about what your child self wants and how you're doing things in your current life to make those dreams that your child self has come true. I think for me, it's really difficult because I think I've lost touch with that child self. Um, Recently, I've been getting glimpses of it in, in maybe more abstract terms of just the things that my child self values, not necessarily like how that would apply in the real world, but just the values and the goals and the mission. For example, like when I when I was younger, I was saying that I really loved reading because I loved the empathetic aspect of that and hearing people's like thoughts and their voices, which I think is I, I still think that that's one of the things that drives me today. And one of the things that has honestly made the pandemic really challenging for me is just losing that social interaction. But I think that like maybe to your point, this podcast is something that I'm doing because I've lost sight of that and because I want to regain that. And so I really treasure it, like regardless of how many people listen to this podcast, like the weekly conversations that I'm able to have with Nina, just exploring the depths of her mind and understanding how she sees certain things because that I think that's always been one of my core values is the empathy and understanding how other people work. Like I, I genuinely just find it very, very interesting. And it makes life to me seem a little bit more beautiful when I have that understanding. So I think that's one thing that I'm trying to integrate into my daily life now. I thought that that was something that I would be able to get in my job because I think people view like these business jobs as very social and you talk to a lot of people. But at the end of the day, I think the conversations that I was having in those contexts were very superficial and it was very small talk driven and obviously very business driven. Like people just talk about like deal terms and negotiations and contracts and things like that. And so it actually, I think that actually damaged the piece of me that wanted the empathy because, uh, because the conversations I was having were devoid of any of that. And I think to a certain degree, it made me lose sight of that and made me lose faith in humanity in a sense, in the sense that every person that I was talking to, like I didn't have that, deep 
emotional, like thoughtful connection that I was looking for that I so valued in my past. Um, so I think a lot of what I'm trying to do now in terms of integrating the child self is to find that connection again. Um, and something that was really beautiful, like I, I think there are, there, there, there are examples of beauty everywhere and I think it really just has to do with my environment. But like, for example, a couple of weeks ago, I just talked to this random guy um, at a company that I'm interested in working for. And we actually had a really good connection and it felt very natural. And so I felt like that was maybe a situation, like if I worked in an environment like that or with a person, with people like that, like where the child self could come out a little bit more at work and I wouldn't have to be so guarded and quote professional all the time and kind of shut that out because I've realized that that's Mm -hmm. a core piece of what makes the child happy is having that emotional connection. I think mm-hmm. maybe some other aspects, I, I think it all honestly all relates to that. Like I was going to say another thing that the child part really likes is art. But I think that like even art, the reason that the child self or that I like it is that I think it shows a window into the artist's mind, but not only the artist's mind, but everyone else's mind because people are looking at it and having a reaction. Um, and there's universality to like a very famous or well-known or, or, or well-liked piece of art because it means that a lot of people are connecting to it. And so I think that that, uh, to me, is really interesting as well. So maybe, like, as I wrap it up, like, I, I think it my child self is really just looking for, like, deep social connection. Um, so I'm exploring that now through this podcast, maybe trying to find a new job that, like, I can connect more deeply to the people in. Um, And also, I I think in my current social interactions, I think it's really interesting that you brought up the fact that you were going out a lot in college and that wasn't a reflection of your child self because I think that's actually similar to me as well. Like, I do like going out to meet new people, but it was never really about, like, getting super drunk or, like, uh, I don't know, like, hooking up with random people. Like, that actually grosses me out. Like, that's not what I enjoy about it at all. But, uh, like, it was, it's more about meeting people and connecting with them. And so, like, I'm trying to find new avenues to do that now. Like, I don't know, like, uh, like if I meet a new friend through a mutual friend, like, not being afraid to text them and say, like, hey, like, would you be interested in just, like, grabbing coffee or dinner sometime? Like, something more one-on-one so I can get to know people a little bit better and trying to just fit my social interactions more into, like, a mold that... Get, get, that gets me what I want. Does that make sense? Yes, I think that makes complete sense to me. Um, and I think, you know, what you were talking about, about how, you know, your adult self was kind of uh, basically like by, you know, certain actions that your job took, it made you kind of turn away from, you know, your child self's values. Like, for instance, how um, you felt like empathy, like it was not something that you were necessarily receiving um, and in your job and it made you, you know, turn away from, from that child value is something that's actually really interesting to me. And I think that I felt the same way. Like, for instance, I think maybe, um, if your core child value is really about social connection and and deep social understanding, I think mine is curiosity. I think that is at the core of, of who I see myself as, um, curiosity in, in many aspects, whether it's social curiosity or intellectual curiosity, or curiosity in trying out, you know, different experiences. Um, And I think that, like, for work or school, for instance, when 
it became very intense and very draining, I think I kind of lost touch with that inner sense of curiosity. And I kind of disliked it. I thought it was not necessarily something that was valuable because it was something that was making me very burned out. Um, so I could definitely relate to, you know, to that part of, of your, of your, uh, of your discussion, uh, very saliently. Um, you know, and I think that as we try to, you know, connect, um, our inner self, you know, with our child self, I think one of the things that I have been thinking about has been how can you really work with your adult self in a constructive manner to help your child self, you know, achieve its goals or integrate its goals. And so a lot of the time, you know, in this podcast, I think we've talked about basically uh, how it's important for them to, you know, both have a seat at the table, how it's important for them to, you know, work together. But it's something that I still struggle with a lot. So how do you, like, how do you listen to your adult self without letting your adult self run the conversation completely? That's a really great question. And it's definitely something that I struggle with too. I think, first of all, therapy is really helpful. But second of all, I think, I think the word that you used was really interesting. Really interesting. You said integrating the child self's goals or uh, what the child self wants, and I think that that's what it is. It's about the adult self being able to ask the child self, "Hey, what are your goals? What are your motivations? What do you want?" And that's actually, mm-hmm. I think it's a really challenging exercise. Like, like I was saying, like it's it's hard for me now to even say like. Because obviously this is more of the adult self talking. Like, I don't, it's hard for me to say exactly what the child self wants or what its values are or what its goals are outside of these mm-hmm. kind of abstract concepts. Um, and so I guess mm-hmm. that's actually a good question for you too. Like, what values does your child self have? You mentioned curiosity, but just to dig a little bit deeper, like, what is the child self curious about? Or are there other values outside of curiosity that the child self? holds on to today yeah I think that um for values uh, the values I think curiosity is a big one I think for me it's really just about how understanding how the world works I think that's very um very very close to my heart and also I think just having you know that mental challenge I think for instance that's why I really like love my job in software engineering is because it forces me to, you know, constantly learn, constantly be challenged. And it's something that I find very stimulating to just push myself to, you know, my mental limit. And I think, you know, curiosity also about other people, I think, is, is another part. Like, for instance, as you mentioned, I am very interested in understanding, you know, what makes other people the way they are. And I think that's actually a driving force behind my desire to be a writer. Um, I think I'm very fascinated by by human life as well. And, you know, that's why I'm, you know, doing this podcast. So I think those are some of the key tenets of of curiosity. And, you know, other other values that I think the child self has. And actually, you know, I don't even know if this... I actually think this is an interesting discussion because I think another value that I really care about these days is, like, kindness and also helping other people. And so, for instance, you know, this podcast is partially motivated by that. And also, for instance, I started tutoring, you know, um, youth with computer science, like in a, in a nonprofit, I think, you know, that was also, uh, that was also, do- uh, driven by this desire to be kind and to help other people. Um, another 
another aspect was, you know, my decision to stop eating meat. I think that was uh, driven by a desire to, you know, help other people. And I think as I've gotten older, I've really tried harder to be like a more ethical person, to do the right thing in in situations, to be honest and, and to be kind and to work in a way that helps other people. Like even my current job in software engineering is related to, you know, helping, helping people, um, And actually, this is interesting to talk about because I don't necessarily know if this was a value that I had as a kid. I think as a kid, I was actually pretty self-centered, to be honest. Like, I think I loved curiosity and and learning about the world, but I don't think I had, like, a deep-seated desire to help other people. I think that actually came from a combination of my adult self and child self, and that's actually a really good way that they have worked together. Like, I think, yeah, so I think, like, my child self had this, you know, desire for curiosity, this this love of learning, um, this inquisitiveness, um, and and a desire to uh, create or contribute. And I think it was the adult self that actually gave it the perspective and, you know, shifted my child self to look beyond myself and look at other people. And I think that the adult self was really what enabled uh, me to, you know, maybe pursue the goals of, that I had of curiosity and learning, but in the context of, of helping other people. And I think, you know, that was one very important part of the adult self. And maybe this is um, something that resonates with a lot of people. But I think, you know, sometimes the adult self can be more mature, can be more, um, have more perspective. And, you know, the adult self has obviously seen more of life and, and more of life experience and can sometimes bring a lot of interesting and necessary like reach and perspective to the child self's goals so for instance maybe the child self would have been completely happy and I was completely happy just like reading random history books sitting around in my room but now my adult self would be like hey like that's great but why don't you try to use that curiosity and benefit and make the world a little bit bit of a better place so I think Mm -hmm. you know that's a very good interplay um so how about you like what are the other values beyond maybe empathy or or understanding people that is part of, you know, your child self and how has your adult self maybe shaped those values or changed those values? Good question. Well, first of all, I think it's super interesting to hear your perspective on this. And it's either a testament to the fact that all humans are very similar or just the fact that we're really similar because we're really close to, because I think I really have very, very similar values to you. And I think that what you Mm -hmm. said about wanting to help people being an integration of the child self and the adult self is so interesting and so powerful because I actually completely agree. I never thought about it that way, but that's a value Mm -hmm. that I've recently gained as well. And I think it's come from the fact that I'm so interested in understanding other people's lives and how they became, how they, how they are and how the world became, how it is that it's made me want Mm -hmm. to create an impact it's really this curiosity of understand that that has driven me to understand the cause and effect. And I think it's the adult self saying, well, if we understand the cause and effect, then we can make an impact, hopefully, and create a better effect, Mm -hmm. like do a cause to create a better effect. And so I think that that has been really, really interesting for me, because it is the curiosity that I have as like my child self has in understanding how the world works. And under and, and piecing together like the history and how it affects the present, in, in both in terms of the world and in terms of myself, 
it's a huge piece of why I go to therapy because I think it's really, really, really interesting to understand like how my childhood has inevitably affected who I am today. And that has made me want, I I think that that, that's made the the adult self say like, well, like, well, mental health and like an understanding of yourself has been so important to you. Why don't you help other people kind of realize these same things about themselves and integrate their their past and their present, which is kind of the Mm -hmm. motivation behind this podcast. And it, I, I think it, you're totally right. It is an integration of the motivations and wants of the child self with maybe the higher level thinking um, and maybe the agency of the adult self is how I would describe it. Mm-hmm. But I think outside of those values, I, I mean, they're really similar to yours. Like the curiosity is a big one. It's actually one that I say in interviews all the time because like, I, I think it comes off well too. But I, I actually just genuinely think that curiosity is one of my biggest values. Um, I think understanding cause and effect, it, it's related to curiosity and it's also what made me uh, do a minor in physics, which was maybe similar to how you studied computer science, and that was something that you loved. It was something that I did because I honestly just loved it, um, outside of any sort of rational reason. Um, and I think that these days, some other values would be kindness, but I think that, to, to your point, maybe that one might be an adult value as well, kind of going into the child self, because maybe the child self like through the curiosity and exploration of like human interactions has seen the impacts of unkind actions. And so now it's become a value of mine um, to, to always mm-hmm. be kind and try, try to be respectful and compassionate for other people um, and understanding of mm-hmm. a past that we, we might not know from someone else. But I, mm-hmm. I think that those are probably my main values. And it's interesting actually to think about, again, like, like how you said, um, how the, the child values and the adult values kind of interact to create these new hybrid values that maybe are mm-hmm. our like principal drivers today, like the kindness or giving back and, and things like that. Um, yeah, I think that's really powerful and really interesting how it really mirrors, you know, my own experience too. Uh, one question I have is like, you know, we live in a very like, adult world a very like hyper rational world how do you deal with for instance you know maybe peers or even yourself wanting that adult self to dominate like for me I think oftentimes you know my parents or my friends um will see things from a very adult point of view and they'll look at everything in terms of you know what makes most sense what is most rational what makes you successful do you ever feel like pressure to like let go of maybe these child, these hybrid child adult values? Um, and how do you like stay true to them, even in a society in which they might not be valued? That's a great question. I definitely feel the pressure to just be focused on the adult self all the time. I think just before this podcast, we were mm-hmm. talking about me potentially leaving my job and like despite how much I hate it and how unhappy it makes me. It's still such a difficult decision for me because I would be giving up a paycheck and like my better health insurance as a result of that. And those are just these hyper rational things that I have trouble walking away from. But I think to answer the second part Mm -hmm. of your question about how to keep in mind the child values or uh, like keep, keep the emotional peace in mind as well, is that I think that full rationality requires you to take in all of the data points and make 
a decision, right? I think that is the definition of being mm-hmm. rational. You you weigh the options, you, you you consider all the data, and from that you come to a conclusion. And I think that for a long time, I did not consider my emotions to be a data point, but now I consider them to be an mm-hmm. extremely important data point. And it's something that I forget all the time. Like we were even talking, like you were saying like, oh, you were having like a mental breakdown a couple months ago. Like you were saying like you, like you didn't care about the money at all, but now like suddenly I do again. And it's just because I've forgotten about the emotional impact of working in a job that I just don't agree with like the values of. And so I think that now as I move Mm -hmm. forward, that's something that I try to keep in mind. Like, yeah, uh, like prestige or money or career success. Like these are all rational things that you can point to as like, uh, like priorities in your life, but also emotionally, like that's also, that, that, that should be a factor that we consider too. Um, and I think it's a mistake Mm -hmm. to say that rationality excludes, emotionality because it's just Mm -hmm. a part of who we are like it's it would be delusional to say like oh well like excluding emotions like blah 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 blah, because there's never a situation in which we're not going to feel emotions it's just absolutely impossible and so I think just trying to keep in mind the emotional aspect which I think is analogous to keeping in mind the child aspect is really important like remembering that the child always has a seat at the table and even if the child is pushed away from the table, like, he can cause chaos to the rest of the house, right? Like, if the adult self is like, well, like, child, just go to your room and hide there forever. Like, the child is going to throw a tantrum and then, like, explode. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be, like, this huge problem. So just remembering that that's the consequence, I think, for me, is really, really important. And that's something that I'm definitely working on right now. Um, but I think that that's just something that I, I try to keep in mind going forward. What about for you? How are the way, what are some ways that you try to keep in mind the child part? Um, even when the adult self is trying to take over. That's a great question. I think what you said about how true rationality considers every data point, including emotionality, that's really powerful to me. And that is something that I'm thinking about. Um, the way I see it is that it's a conversation that you have to have between your child self and your emotional self. uh, I'm sorry, between your your emotional child self and your rational self. And it's, you know, a continued conversation. And as you said before, you can't have one necessarily dominate the other. If, If the adult self dominates, you can live a very empty life. But if the child self dominates, maybe then you'll live a life where you can't even take care of yourself financially, physically, mentally, um, so both exist for a reason and I think how I try to think about it now is it's always like a push and a pull um, so for instance at times I will let my child self you know come out to play like for instance if there's uh, a tv show I really want to watch um, I- I'll watch it uh, even if you know it doesn't have anything for you know my career goal uh, or, or my success moving forward, or, you know, if there's friends I want to hang out with, that is my child self coming out to play. Um, and so maybe those are maybe the, the pure child elements of it. And then those are the, then there are like the mixed, like hybrid goals that we've talked about before of like kindness, curiosity, 
uh, giving back and, and those are like, like mixed in with the child and the adult self and, and I think that's kind of where I try to be the most time is, is, is working towards those type of goals that satisfy both my adult and my child self and then there are other times in which you know my adult self just needs to take over like for instance last year I really wanted to get promoted at work and I put a lot of effort into you know getting promoted um, and it was something that I wanted to do really out of my adult self and I don't think it was a bad thing to do that um, I really was in that sense driven by I think status um, money as well as prestige but also opportunity I think I wanted to be promoted so that I would have like better access to opportunity and better access to doing the types of work and the types of projects that I wanted to do so that was like an instance in which it dominates so I think what I do now is a mixture like as much as possible I try to mix them together I tried to like converge them I tried to you know satisfy my child self and my adult self in the same in the same room but sometimes I notice that you know they need some separate time they need some separate time to to be alone to to self-actualize in their own way and if there's you know a week or a month in which my child self just needs to you know take off and, and go on vacation and enjoy um, then let it do that but then there might be you know another week or another like two weeks in which I need to just really focus and grind at work um, to you know satisfy my adult self and you know that's okay too so about, for me it's really about balance and making sure I'm not swinging too far in either direction um, and then it's also about continually checking in with myself and saying like I think something that I always think about these days is like am I living a life in accordance with my values like as much as possible and I ask myself that question every day. And if there is a time in which I answer like no or I answer like I'm not even going in the right direction in my values, then I know it's really time to take a step back and reevaluate. And that's when my child and my adult self really need to work together to understand like what is going wrong. Is there too much adult self? Is there too much child self? What is the value that is not being fulfilled? Um, so yeah, I think I think for me it is, mixing them together as much as possible but also allowing them their own space um but always checking in with yourself and I think it's you know a constant process um yeah does that resonate with you as well yeah it does and something that I was thinking about when you were talking about working for a promotion at work is that like I think on the surface that can seem like a very adult driven thing and maybe for you it was mostly an adult driven thing but I've also had experiences in my past where like for example, in dance or something, like I wanted to get to a different, like a higher class, like a higher level class or like dance in a different group or something. And like maybe on the surface, that seems like an adult thing, but it all kind of is a child driven thing, too, because like you said, it was about opening up more opportunities for myself, mm -hmm. um, like an opportunity to learn from different people, to be surrounded by different people. And I, it just makes me realize how disconnected my personal, my own job is from like my child self because that's never how I would feel. It would only be an adult thing. It would be like, okay, I want this promotion to get this amount of money, to get this amount of prestige or like mm -hmm. whatever. Like it would never be about like, I want the opportunity to learn more and to work at a higher level. That hasn't been something that has crossed my mind in terms of work. And so... I, I think that I don't know I, we, I talk about work a lot in here but I think it's just an example of why like, mm -hmm. like it, it's a little bit incompatible um, and 
like to your point, like I, I need to spend more time integrating, at least in my own behaviors mm-hmm. and in the life that I'm living, like the motivations of both the child and the adult self, um, to, to, to make sure that they can have a productive conversation. And one last question that I had for you is about actually the conversations that the adult self and the child self have. What kind of conversations do they have now? And like, what, like, how do they interact? What's, what's the energy? Like, what do they say? And just as an example, um, if you wouldn't mind sharing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a great question. I think for me, my child self, maybe starts off the conversation by saying this is what I want to do this is what I want to be um for instance I think I felt this a lot when I was making the decision to switch from finance to computer science I think that was actually a really great mixture of my child and my adult self and I think my child self was the one who said like I hate finance I don't want to do this job like I don't want to you know this this job is making me feel completely unhappy um, and it was also my child self who wanted curiosity and who wanted um, a challenge and who wanted a job where I would feel more intellectually stimulated and free. Um, and then I think it, it was a little subconscious, but I think it was my adult self who said, like, okay, like, why don't you try, you know, software engineering? Like, that is a job in which, you know, you can make good money um, because, you know, I think money is something that I I did care about and I do care about still. Like, it gives me freedom and uh, security and stability. And so it is something that I want. And I am happy that my adult self is able to prioritize it appropriately. Um, So I think my adult self said, okay, like, why don't you, you know, think about software engineering? That's a job in which you can also make, you know, good money, have a good lifestyle, and satisfies maybe your childlike desires of curiosity and intellectual stimulation um and then I think that enabled me to like pivot towards computer science and then you know when thinking about what type of role I wanted to do I think again I thought about like my child self and my desire to give back and my desire to work on products that you know helped other people and then it was my adult self who said okay like you should go into like this type of company to you know make uh establish name recognition for yourself uh to you know enable you to learn and grow in a professional manner and this is like the type of you know team that will help you grow in the most uh in the most uh productive way so I think for me the child self always sets the initial seed and the initial goal but then my adult self makes it happen or finds a way that it can happen in a productive and and pragmatic way and sometimes like refines the child self's initial ideas like maybe the child self really cared about um again like just you know learning and then the adult self says like okay why don't you try to you know apply your learning to you know help other people learn so for instance like teach other people so I think for me I would see the the child as like the seed um and then the adult is like the the gardener the one who waters the seed who helps it grow who prunes it um it doesn't overshadow it it kind of showcases it and allows it to grow to its fullest potential. Um, does that uh, does that seem similar to your experience, or how do you think of it? That was really beautiful. I love the analogy that you used with the seed and the gardener. I think that that is the perfect way to view that relationship in its mo- most ideal form. I think these mm-hmm. days, 
I'm having better conversations between the child and the adult. But to be honest with you, this is probably the first time in my life that they've really started talking. Because like I said, mm-hmm. previously I found the balance between the child and the adult self by saying like, okay, child, like it's time for you to come sit at the table and the adult self would go like hide away and vice versa. So they've never really interacted with each other in the same space before. And so these days, mm-hmm. I always, like I think the conversations are very, very tentative because it's usually for me, the child self or the adult self trying to scream over the other one. Like for example... Mm-hmm. That the child self might be like, I hate this job. I want to quit. I want to do something creative and fun and interesting. And then the adult self will say like, no, you can't do that because you have certain obligations and you have to stay in this job for the pay and the healthcare or something like that. Like just simplistically, that's kind of an example of how the conversation would go. But that's not a productive conversation, right? Because it's not like the adult self saying like, oh, that's interesting. I agree with you. Like, how can we make that happen? It's, it's more like a shutdown. And so I think right mm-hmm. now in my life, I'm trying to move away from the shutdown and like mm-hmm. have a conversation that's more like, yes, I agree with you or that makes sense. Like, I hear you. How can we f- find a way to make this a reality? Um, but I, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. To give myself a little bit of credit too, I think I am getting better at that. Like, for example, the fact that mm-hmm. I'm like, about to leave my job and like trying to find a new one. Even as I'm considering, like, the types of new jobs that I might be interested in, like, these are the types of things Mm -hmm. that I'm trying to keep in mind. Like, I'm trying to move towards something in corporate strategy, which I view as, like, really understand, like, I think to create a good strategy, you have to understand cause and effect and be curious about the problem, which I think that that would satisfy a lot of the child piece of me. Like, even, for example, like, with my friends sometimes I talk about like hmm like I wonder if this company should do this or this like like that's actually a piece of me that I like it's it's part of the child self and I think it comes from the curiosity and wanting to understand cause and effect so that like to again to give myself some credit I think I am trying to integrate those two pieces a little bit more now um but I it's definitely a work Mm -hmm. in progress still because I think especially when my guard is down um I think the initial instinct when the child self or the adult self kind of talk is to yell at each other and just talk over each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to, you know, give them couples therapy and help them <laughs> have a more productive <laughs> way to communicate and interact. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes so much sense. And I think that's a very beautiful way of putting it and also very funny in, in terms of giving them couples therapy. Um And so I think we're, you know, just coming up at the hour here. And I think this was a very interesting conversation about selves and and inner selves and, you know, a child self versus adult self. Um, Do you have any final thoughts before we, you know, sign off for today? Good question. I would say for me personally, the final thought that I kind of wanted to leave this off on is really the realization that I came to most recently about, I think having the conversation between the inner selves. I think before Mm -hmm. the reason that I was so unstable or like almost bipolar in a sense was that I would only Mm -hmm. listen to one inner self at a time. And I thought that that was the true me. Mm -hmm. Like the one, the inner self that was speaking the loudest at the time was the true me. And I think that for, with therapy, and this is probably like kind of a meditation uh, outcome as well, is being able to see all these thoughts happen at once and realize that they're all just pieces of me. 
rather than trying to block one out Mm -hmm. or only listening to one, like they're all pieces of me. And Mm -hmm. for better or for worse, like these are, these are all a piece of me and they all motivate me and drive me in different ways. And, uh, that, that it's time that I started to listen to them as a whole rather than just singling one voice out, um, and focusing on that one. What about you? Yeah. Um, I I feel the exact same way and I think maybe the last thought that I want to leave it is I feel like the more I'm able to, you know, have that conversation and mesh my child and my my adult self together, I think the less, um, the less mental health problems I've actually experienced, especially depression, I think, um, the more your child and your adult self are able to work together in order to make meaning in your life, the less I've felt depressed, um, and so it's, I think it has been a really powerful tool in, in terms of improving my mental health is, is, you know, always listening to all parts of yourself and not shunting any part of yourself to the side and really allowing yourself to grow. And, you know, I think I had a final analogy that I wanted to leave this off of, which I also described in my blog post, but I really see the child and the adult, you know, the gardener and the seed is, a, is an analogy. But another analogy I have is it really is like a child and adult type relationship. Like the adult can lift up the child on her shoulders and allow the child to experience the world and create and play and protect the child self and maybe, you know, expand the child self's perspective. But ultimately, like the child self has to, you know, be at the core as well and and really be the driving force in, in making life meaningful. So um yeah I think my final thoughts are similar to you like just you know having that conversation is so impactful for mental health and and for finding meaning in life um yeah so I I guess we're coming up you know at at the one hour mark again so I think we can leave it off there and you know thank you everybody for tuning in to episode eight of mental health coffee time And we'll be back next week with, you know, another topic and always feel free to read our blog posts or reach out to our email if you have any questions. So thank you so much and take care.